0: What football folks is doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got. Brainy. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving <laughs> forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right, so, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging. Am I gonna get sued? illegal legal
1: on this. Let's send you out on the right note. Uh, PFF sucks. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live here on YouTube. Whole new opening too, Sam. Yep. Yeah. Just want to say, PFF sucks. Have a good day. Got to leverage uh, what's in the news and everything. After the show yesterday, is that when uh, JJ went on McAfee? After our show? Yeah, I think After so. we'd already done our stuff? Yeah, they're later in the day. Also, it's a controversy if you live in uh, social media land. Not everybody does. No. But if you live there, it felt controversial. So JJ is part of the intro now. Um, mm. There's also a nice I hate PFF shirt. If you look up <laughs> PFF shop, if you guys hate PFF, you also can uh,
1: get in on the I'm action. I'm trying to get people at PFF to send one of those to JJ Watt, you know, to ship him a shirt that says, I hate yeah. PFF.
0: I'm sure he'll put it up on his, uh, you know, I can't this, seem with to all get... of the trophies that we've seen.
1: Nobody will acknowledge me when I keep saying that. I'm serious. That's like, a, send him a shirt.
0: Send one to uh, JJ, guys. Mm-hmm. Send one to JJ. Anyway, it's divisional round preview time. Yesterday we had a little bit of fun. We uh, went through all of our bets yesterday. So if you did have a bet for the season, remember? oh,
1: we had an update. Somebody, somebody reminded me or pointed out that I, I had memory hold one of Ireland's games, the Romania game. We in fact won four games, not three. Uh, so we tied with the Cardinals. So it's a push. Yeah, a push. They didn't right. win. Cardinals did not win more games than Ireland because we won all four pool games before
0: crashing out. In ignominious well, fashion in the quarterfinals. Do we feel better now? A little bit, yeah. Good, happy for you. Um, rumor has it Pittsburgh the shirts have already sold out in the Pittsburgh area. Oh yeah, according to the that chat. That makes sense, yeah. The I hate PFF shirts. Um, but yeah, yesterday we went through all those bets from before the season and just kind of you know gave out some props for people that uh, that got the wins. Mm-hmm. And then went through we went through all that and we went through our C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love grading discussion. Of course, just a nice nuanced discussion, not the social media stuff that we've been dealing with. But today it's uh, four game previews. What do you reckon this will take us? You know, the usual. <laughs> Try to keep it under two hours here. So if like we can do that. Divisional round preview. Before we start, though, reminder, if you guys want to vote for us for Podcast of the Year, I'm not saying you have to do it, but if you want to. Hmm. Link's in the description. Go ahead and do it. Best American Football Podcast. We're a finalist, but we want to be winners here. We'd love to be winners, and we need your help to be able to do that. We're all winners if we pull this off. It's for all of us here. It's for everybody. It's for you, too. It's your award if you win it. It's your award. The people. Yeah. I mean, we're not like ESPN. We're not just going to, like, send you Emmys. You're not going to make a trophy and it's list awesome. everybody's name that voted and it's send a lot you of a name. trophy. A lot we're of not going to do that. ESPN needed to do that for wow. their talent. You Phenomenal. know, make them feel better, which is great. Incredible story that was. I wonder if that's how Chris gets his Emmys. I doubt it. I'm kidding. I'm just, uh, I'm just joking, Chris, if you're still listening. <laughs> Chris probably already fast forwarded past the opening.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, he didn't hear get, that. Get get five minutes in, get to the real football. He didn't hear that.
0: Yeah. No. No. Chris is well earned, Emmys. All right, ready to go? Mm-hmm. Divisional round starts Saturday afternoon at four thirty, the Houston Texans time slot historically. Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens favored by nine and a half here at home. Both uh, both number one seeds are playing on Saturday. And just a reminder why that is the case. Um, not that they don't always put the number one seed on Sunday anyway, but the games that are on Saturday have to occur because the, uh, the Bucks played on Monday and the Bills played on Monday. So those teams had to play on Sunday. So that's why we have both number one seeds back-to-back on Sunday, starting with Texans-Ravens. And the Ravens favored by 9.5. So like I said, we've got two nearly 10-point spreads in the two games on Saturday. Um, every year, my annual reminder – Sometimes we come out of wild card weekend, and we're all hyped up for the teams that we just saw, and we forget that the teams on bye are really good. It used to be two teams on bye, and you'd forget. But now, a reminder, the Baltimore Ravens are really good, um, despite, as uh, no matter how impressive the Texans' win was last week against the Browns.
1: Yeah, it, it's a fair point worth making. Um, you know, all the way through the season, I am not all the way, for a large portion of the season, it has looked like Baltimore and... Uh, San Francisco are the two kind of class teams of the the NFL, particularly when the Ravens were able to beat the 49ers um, and really kind of put a stamp on that. So to an extent, it makes sense that they are being given that kind of respect in terms of the betting line. And, you know, they are a very good team. But in both these games, I mean, almost 10 points kind of feels crazy to me. Like the Texans defense is good for a start. So immediately they can at least give a game to Baltimore's offense and to Lamar Jackson, all those kinds of things. And then the job that CJ Stroud and Bobby Slowick and that Texans offense just did to an elite NFL defense in the Cleveland Browns, I think deserves a bit more respect than that. I mean, they just went out there with a game plan that shredded one of the best defenses in the NFL this season. And okay, they're going up against another one, but... I don't know that you should be saying, "Well, there's no shot that they repeat that, and it's all going to be Baltimore, and you know this isn't going to be close," which is what the line says.
0: Yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to speak to the con, you know, quote-unquote controversy or JJ Watt's comments or whatever it might be for those who don't care or don't weren't like in the middle of this because it's always like a smaller percentage than you think that actually saw that. Um, I don't want to just because we were talking about Stroud's grade against Love's grade yesterday. I don't want to diminish what CJ Stroud has done this year he has been outstanding especially for a rookie and he's continued to get better throughout the season I mean the only real I think he had a early in the season when these teams played in week one the first couple weeks I think Stroud did impressive things for a rookie but like game flow wasn't great in the first one with the Ravens they had to drop back and pass a lot it wasn't the same CJ Stroud he has continued to get better and better I don't want to take anything away from the rookie season that he's had. And of course, you know, PFF Bobby and what he's done from a play calling standpoint, what Nico Collins has done for the Texans breaking out as a legitimate three-level threat to the defense. I don't want to take any of that, uh, anything away from what the Texans have done. And that is, we meant, as you said too, like the defense also continues to get better. So this is an interesting one because like three out of four games here, Sam, are rematches. And I think if you look at the Tex- Texans and Ravens playing in week one, that's like a whole different world. Stroud's first ever game. It's a, it, that was, you know, it feels like it was seasons ago. So I don't know if that matters at all. And, you know, similar, you know, Bucks and Lions, that was kind of early in the season. And then Bills and Chiefs, that was a few weeks ago. Like that feels closer. And It was a really close back and forth game. That feels closer to what we might see on Sunday. But my point in all this is Texans are better than they were when they played in week one and the way they've been trending the second half of the season, they have the ability to pull this upset. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, week one, I don't think it matters much at all in this type of game. Uh, Week one, generally weird things happen. So even even if you weren't talking about rookies across the board for Houston, I think it would matter very little anyway, just because week one is a crazy sort of week of the season. Everything's new. First time we've seen anybody, blah, 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 right? So... Even if it was a whole stable of veteran guys and coaches on one side, I would say it's it's fairly irrelevant for the when you're talking with Houston, CJ Stroud, rookie, you know, rookie receivers, young receivers, guys new in the building, rookie coaches, both head coach and coordinators. I'm like, it's irrelevant. Basically, it doesn't doesn't make much difference whatsoever. So I, I do think you start looking at what are the Texans right now versus what are the Ravens. Baltimore looks like the best team in the AFC, but the Texans have just shown repeatedly that they can rise to those kinds of games and, you know, run with anybody.
0: All right. So, why why is the spread nine and a half? Well, let me give a little reminder what the Ravens have done against really good teams. They did beat the Texans 25 to nine back in week one. Uh, they beat the Lions, like, just the remaining teams in the playoffs. They beat the Lions 38 to six. They beat the 49ers 33 to 19 on Christmas night. Um, here's the other point with the Ravens remember they beat the Niners that was their big game and then the following week another big game going up against the Dolphins a battle for the number one seed and they beat the Dolphins 56 to 19 and the point we made there was wow they're facing Kyle Shanahan and then um, Mike McDaniel the next week same scheme then they sit their starters against the Steelers in week 18 and lose now they're going up against another Shanahan disciple another Shanahan-esque offense with Bobby at the helm this will be the third straight game Baltimore starters have played against relatively the same system, and right. they've done a great job against the Niners and Dolphins because their defense does a great job through the middle, the middle of the field that the, that the system likes to attack. They're not all identical, the systems, but the Ravens are as equipped as any team to handle the Shanahan trees scheme that has taken the league by storm.
1: Yeah, they are. Um, it's also a much more – I think it's a more difficult test than Cleveland was – uh, for Bobby and C.J. Stroud because the Browns' defense was really, really good. Um, number one, it wasn't as good on the road. Number two, it, uh, it was always slightly susceptible to misdirection, to sort of trickery and getting... like It was too aggressive for its own good, right? So once you... If you played into that and you just kind of ran what you ran and let them get after you, they were going to cause you real problems. If you were going to show them one thing and hit them with something else, um, bait and switch, like do anything like that, they were always vulnerable to those big plays and Houston just like strung a whole bunch of them together and wrecked them for the for the majority of that game. Baltimore's defense isn't. Like it's just not as susceptible to those things. They are much more kind of disciplined and... Um, conservative in terms of they're not reckless with their aggression so what Bobby dials up as a game plan this time is going to be much more interesting like how does he exploit the gaps in this defense how does he put them into disadvantageous positions I don't think it's going to be as easy as it was against Cleveland so you know there's a reason that the the over under is is only what 42 43 points as well
0: yeah I think the yeah it's definitely gonna be a much more challenging I think Baltimore you know guys like Kyle Hamilton and the season that he's had and how you know he's playing in the slot he could play free safety I do wonder how much you know Houston's gotten into these these games where they've they have tried to bang their head against the wall as far as running the ball just to take a little bit of pressure off of Stroud in the offense there's been other games like the Broncos game comes to mind where the protection schemes for the Texans were attacked pretty well there have been times where um, and I know they've had some offensive line issues. Some of that has been offensive line issues. Some of it's been protection issues. Mike McDonald and this Ravens defense potentially attacking, creating pressure. I, to me, it, just, it's, it feels like one of those games, and I'll say the same thing about Jordan Love. It feels like one of those games where Stroud has to make three or four special throws. Uh, this seems to be my analysis for all teams going up against the Ravens. They're fundamentally sound. I think they're a different defense than, say, the Browns. The Browns had a little more boomer bust to their defense, mm-hmm. where there were open, there were throws. Right, you said they're aggressive, so there were throws to be had. The Ravens are more fundamentally sound, where they're just going to make a lot. Give you, a, a lot of the throws are going to be tight window, tight window, tight window. So I think if the Texans pull this upset at the end, of, we're going to wake up Monday morning or s- Sunday morning and say, "Wow, Stroud made three or four legitimate throws," and so I think he's going to have to do that. I said the same thing about Trevor Lawrence when they played a few weeks ago.
1: I think both quarterbacks are going to need to have good games if they want to win. Um, Like one element, I mean, Baltimore's run defense is not particularly good. I think that the, I think that the Texans will be able to run the ball, which is critical. I mean, Greg Olson had a tweet. I think it was Greg Olson who was talking about, you know, the critical part of uh, offense in today's NFL is the marriage between the run game and the pass game. It's like, nothing is more effective than play action from under center specifically Um, play action from shotgun is still really effective, but there is an edge to play action from under center. And this marrying of the run game and the pass game is critical to everything, right? Not treating them as sort of isolated things where you can start to differentiate quickly between one and the other. And that's the thing that the Shanahan offense has been trying to do for years is tying those two things together, Uh, you know, way back to RG3 and all those kinds of things. Like that's what they've been focusing on. Mike McDaniel was the run game coordinator, right, before he became what he became. And, like, it's this cross-training and understanding. And when you talk to Bobby, he makes that point, right? It's not just running for the sake of running. Like, tying the two together is vital to what that offense wants to do. So if they can't run at all, it's a problem for that offense. But I I think they will be able to run against this Baltimore run defense that does allow, you know, yardage. Conversely, I think the Texans have one of the best run defenses in the NFL this year. Like they will actually have a pretty good shot of slowing down Baltimore's run game. um, And now you're going to force Lamar Jackson to be more of a passer. Now, I don't think that's a problem. I'm not saying the narrative is different, right? It's not like it was right at the start of his career where we're like, can Lamar even function if he has to drop back and pass? Uh, We're not talking about that at all, but the offense is going to be, I think more one dimensional and it's going to lean on Lamar Jackson as a passing quarterback, and that kind of plays into the strength of the Texans' defense as well, because they've got a pretty good stable of pass rushers, and Derek Stingley is playing really well at corner. You know, they've got some coverage guys as well. You know, I think that they're, I think that the Texans' defense matches up pretty well with Baltimore.
0: You're right about the run defense for Houston. They did get wrecked in that week week 18 game against the Colts, which was which was in, it, weird, right? They had not given up over like three yards per carry in weeks right. or whatever it was, and then the. The Colts just ran it like crazy. And again, then they did a nice job against the Browns. Something to keep an eye on because the Ravens generally have their way when they want to when it comes to the run game. Um, This weekend, Sam, during the playoffs here, I might might get into some of the narrative stuff. And we're going to map that. We're going to wrap that into the analysis here. Yeah. I think there's some of the touchy-feely stuff that maybe got to the Cowboys last week. You've mentioned this with the Niners, is the strategy against San Francisco, like can you just get up? Can you get up seven? Can you get up ten and you know, take them out of their out of their wheelhouse? If you're the Baltimore Ravens, how much is history weighing on your mind? Can they get over that? Let's let's talk about the human element of this a little bit. I don't think the perception that Lamar can't win in the playoffs, he's won a game, right? At least got over that hump. Mm-hmm. But there are higher expectations for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in the playoffs. The last time they had the number one seed was 2019. They lost in that game to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Derrick Henry ran all over them. And they had two failed fourth downs, if I recall. That are just, they're just one-off plays. That whole year, they were like 80% on fourth and short or whatever it was. And they just, they were 0 for 2 in big plays. And the game got away from them. I think the Ravens, as the number one seed Ravens with that history, if the game flow gets out of hand early, do you start thinking about that? Does the human element start to come in? Do you start pressing? Does Lamar Jackson start pressing? Do you come out of your game plan? We saw this with Dallas last week. Can I think Baltimore, can they handle... It's, it's weird to say, but like the road team with the rookie quarterback, can they handle the early onslaught from Houston, right? Because what we saw last week, not to overly commit to like what we just saw, we saw a Packers team that was like, we got nothing to lose here. But if the Texans come in with nothing to lose... Compared to a Ravens team that is like, all right, we got the number one seed again. Worked hard, got this thing first time since 2019. We're at the MVP again. Just to, you know, just keeping an eye on the Ravens, not pressing early on, especially if things don't go go well early.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say more pressure is on Baltimore than Houston, um, but I don't know if it's a like. I mean, I made this point last week that you know Dallas is now battling this weight of history, like 20 plus years. 20 years at this point of, of failing uh, in the playoffs and you can see it I mean they they choke they, they literally choke you can see them tighten up tense up and and stop playing when they when it starts to get in their head that oh it's going to happen again I don't think anybody anymore is dealing with that like Dallas is a if not unique situation then a rare one and Baltimore might be under more pressure than Houston but neither of them are in that like ballpark of pressure and and added sort of feel stuff that's factoring into this game I I don't really think it's going to be a factor for probably any of these games
0: all right let's talk you've made the point about the Ravens offense in those big games forget their defense you've been more impressed by their offense going up against the Niners putting up the 56 against Miami and that was when Lamar Jackson sealed the deal for MVP in those games There were some spectacular plays there in those particular games. In that Jags game on Sunday Night Football, Um, I do think there's this element of Houston. Like when you're rushing the passer against Baltimore, it might not be about pressure. It really is about hey, you need to you need to steal a few sacks in there. You need to steal a few negative plays. Lamar's done a great job of scrambling when needed, scrambling to throw, and then the pass game generally. This is the best mix that they've had. Right, they stretch you horizontally. They can stretch you vertically. Um, I don't think Mark Andrews is back for this game at tight end, but he's back practicing. But Isaiah likely has handled that, you know, the the seam extremely well. The Ravens are really difficult to defend because they've got every element of the field covered with pretty good playmakers.
1: Yeah, and Lamar Jackson is one of those quarterbacks that when he shows up with his A game, there's no answer. Like, there is no game plan for it. There is no solution to what he does. He's capable of invalidating whatever defense you've called, whatever scheme you're running. There's half a dozen guys in the NFL for whom that's the case. Some of them do it more consistently than others, But if and when Lamar shows up with his best game, it doesn't matter how good your defense is, he can he can win anyway. Um, so the Texans always have that to, to concern themselves with. like even if we've got all the answers theoretically, we've got a good run defense, we've got a good pass rush, we've got good coverage, we can force him into the, the ugly situations. How many plays is Lamar Jackson just going to go, don't care? beat three guys and get a first down anyway like you can't can't legislate for that there's only so much you can do and it's it's going to be a headache for the texans all week worrying about that and how many times it happens in the game but that's always an X factor um the 49ers game the, the ravens 49ers is such an interesting one because it's like it's what a lot of the ravens mystique or like level is built off right now it was a weird game where you know a lot sort of bounce their way and I'm not saying they got lucky but I'm saying the way they won that game is very unlikely to be repeated against anybody I mean they're done you know that type of game doesn't happen very often it's just every now and again everything swings in one direction and you get a bunch of weird or lucky or weird and lucky plays all start to stack in one direction and the game spirals right so I think Baltimore is really good but I think the less that that game specifically is leaned on to make that point, the better.
0: Yeah, I, I always try to find the nuanced way to describe that because the, the things you're talking about is Brock Purdy's four picks. Like, the Ravens did a good job. You keep getting spam calls over there?
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. I've been getting lit up with spam calls this
0: week. And the only Stop reason calling I know, Sam. Is that J, maybe it's J.J. Watt.
1: Not unless J.J. has a Chicago
0: area code. I'm sure he has people. It's ready to attack you? Yeah. Um, the the ers niners interceptions. I think the Ravens deserve credit for you know tipping those passes and making them difficult. Like I said, the Ravens generally create tighter window throws. They make life more difficult for opposing passing offenses. But the fact that they became interceptions, you know, those are tough to control. That's I think the point you're trying to make. Um, the Ravens have the lowest completion percentage allowed on ten plus yard throws. Right. That's what this offense is going to want to do, right? You're going to create those second level throws, you're sneaking tight ends behind the defense, you're sneaking Nico Collins behind the defense. 36% completion percentage against this Ravens defense on 10 plus throws. Now, the Browns were in a similar range, 39%, but like you said, it's like a different type of defense. I think it's going to be more challenging for the Texans to be able to do that. So Anything else about this game? It's a lot to talk about here. We've talked about a lot.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I I th- I'm fascinated by the game. I think it's going to be a really good one. I'm excited by the challenge. Face facing PFF Bobby, who's now up to five interview requests. Apparently, he is. Yeah, he look. He might. He might legit. I didn't think it was going to be this year, but he might legit. Be yeah, head coach. Head coach, PFF Bobby. I didn't you know. want to be
0: that guy. I'm trying to, you know, nudge him that like we've got to have a model that can help mm-hmm. if you want to. Help me, you know, jump in from mm. a player eval standpoint. And I offered to give him a, a reference if he needs one. Yeah, I've, I've got a model yeah. to offer him. Um, I think playoff time, the narrative stuff is interesting. So Lamar Jackson's history, One in the Ravens with Lamar Jackson at the helm, one in three in the playoffs. The stats aren't great. They did finally win that one game in 2020, but they've never made the AFC championship with Lamar. This is their opportunity. Like this is the type of stuff that's on the line. Whereas on the other side, Stroud and the Texans, if they make this run and, do, and go to the AFC Championship in his rookie season, unbelievable. I mean, it's already an unbelievable season and really impressive what Stroud, D'Amico Ryans, what the whole team has done. But that's what's on the line here. Ravens favored by nine and a half at home here, Sam. Where are you going with it?
1: Um, I'm taking the Texans. I don't like either of the big
0: favorites in this game, in, in this week, rather. You're already giving away your pick. I'm also going to take Houston just because it's a huge number. And, again, I, I why is it that? I and mean, The Ravens have beaten a lot of good teams by a lot of points throughout the season. So that's what uh, that's what the man in Vegas is looking at. The man in Vegas. All right, we'll get to Saturday night's game in a minute. But is 2024 bringing exciting or unexpected changes to your life? Well, here's a secret weapon to help you face those challenges with more confidence. It's a great term life insurance policy. Yes, really. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it simple to protect your family's financial future. So you can focus on what's ahead, knowing your family is protected, if something else unexpected happens. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget, like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to cover in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. So join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meatfabric.com slash pffnfl. That's meatfabric.com slash pffnfl. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash pffnfl. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, man. Saturday night, Green Bay Packers at the San Francisco 49ers. Same line, nine and a half. The number one seed 49ers are favored against the Packers.
1: Yep, and uh, similar kind of analysis initially I think that's rich. I mean, the 49ers are a fantastic team, but Green Bay right now is playing incredible football and Jordan Love is playing as well as any quarterback in the
0: NFL. The two things I don't know what to do with when a, when a quarterback's playing great, you know, you acknowledge that and you give it credit. But as we've said the last few days, like Jordan Love's at a different level right now because I, I just can't believe some of the throws he's making. I just, I, in, I know there was there's a few plays like third and longs the other day where there were some wide open receivers but he's had patience in the pocket. He has that you you don't necessarily teach it this way for quarterbacks. He sits deep in the pocket, but that's more of like a let's create space and give my offensive line a little bit more breathing room and I'm going to sit behind because I can um because I can get it there with my good arm strength. He's he's doing these things that are that other quarterbacks do. We won't even make comparisons that are just backbreakers for the defense. And I just, I guess my concern is even if he regresses a little bit, like he should regress a little bit in that, like you can't play at this level all the time, can he? And if he regresses a little bit, are the Packers in trouble? Um, and then on the other side, the thing I'm trying to figure out here, the Packers defense just three or four weeks ago, we're like, man, they make everybody look good. They're horrible. Tommy DeVito looked great. Baker Mayfield had a per- perfect passer rating. All, you know, Justin Herbert had his highest grade of the season. All these guys, and they've been better in recent weeks. I don't. Know, we didn't get to see them in a full game against Dallas. They gave up over thirty points, but there was garbage time. They had a pick six. I don't know if this defense can handle the Niners' offense.
1: No, I I kind of feel like both defenses are not equipped to win their side. Like I think this is going to be a higher scoring game, um, and the. The over/under backs that up as well. It's like seven points higher than the last game we just talked about. Uh, I don't know. The, the, the difficulty for Green Bay is getting ramped up across the board. Like that's the thing. Dallas, Dallas did a bad job of getting out of their own way before they before you sort of dealt with the game itself. So it's not like you penalize Green Bay for that and you say, well, they it wasn't as impressive as you thought it was. It was really impressive, but the difficulty level was set at you know rookie, and now it's going up to whatever all pro or all Madden or whatever the hell the top difficulty in Madden is we're just we're just ramping the whole thing up so it's going to be harder it doesn't mean they can't still do it but it's going to be a much more difficult challenge this week than it was a week ago I do think that the area that affects the most is Green Bay's defense they've been way better in the last few weeks but number one like last week was against Dallas who couldn't get out of their own way and then the two weeks before that it was what a Justin Fields led Chicago Bears team sure feels as dangerous, but the Bears still aren't good. Um, and then a Minnesota Vikings team that couldn't decide which terrible quarterback they wanted to put out there and get murdered by the you know by a defense. So, again, the difficulty level that it's been playing at is a lot less than, okay, now go do it against Brock Purdy, who was MVP before that Lamar Jackson-Baltimore game, Kyle Juszczyk, uh, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, like all the weapons that the 49ers can deploy – now do it against them. Green Bay does not have the horses to match up with those guys on defense. Pretty much nobody does. Um, so I don't know that they're going to have much joy in stopping them. I think the best that they can hope to do is stop them for a couple of like critical downs. Right. Forget stopping them consistently. Let's just try and win a few third downs and get them off the field and steal a possession or two. Um, but I really think that it's going to come down to the other side, like Green Bay's offense is going to need to keep pace with what the 49ers are doing and or do the thing that we've talked about for a while now, which is score first and put them in a hole and disrupt the 49ers offense that way by changing the game flow. That's
0: what they did last week, man. The Packers did it last week. I mean,
1: that, yeah, if they can replicate the way that Dallas game went, which is take the ball first, you've got to win the coin flip, I guess, or you know have the 49ers win it and defer, get the ball first score touchdown seven nothing right and then the critical part the same thing with the Dallas drive get them off the field get a stop and that was close remember that was third and seven or eight and it was six inches away from completing a pass to CeeDee Lamb that was going to keep that drive going six inches was the difference between that drive starting or keeping going or ending and getting the ball back so get the stop and then get another score if they can get up two scores early in that game the 49ers haven't really faced that this season. They have not had that kind of kick to the teeth and they do this this offense does not function the same from behind. If they think now look, if Shanahan is smart, he will look at that and say it's 14 nothing but there's 4 minutes off the clock in the first quarter. It's nothing. We don't change a damn thing. We're going to keep going, right? So, who knows? Like if that is if he sticks to the script and keeps playing the way they normally does it doesn't change anything but if that knocks them out of their regular flow and they start to change the offense because they're down 14
0: that I think really does play to Green Bay Um, some more of the history stuff that I think I used to think was irrelevant you know it doesn't matter the Packers Niners history it doesn't matter but maybe it comes into play maybe it maybe there are certain matchups that are challenging or whatever it might be so 2019 nfc championship matt lafleur's first year and in san francisco the niners beat the packers 37 to 20 that was a game garoppolo dropped back like eight times wow. whatever it was to go to the super bowl they ran all over them that game ran like crazy and then in 2021 last year aaron Rodgers won an mvp niners won 13 to 10 and the niners weren't supposed to be that good i mean they were, they were the team that they started slow that year and then they got on a roll and it was like, oh yeah, since week six or seven, the Niners are one of the best teams in the NFL. And they went into Green Bay in a freezing cold game, one in special teams and everything, but they went 13 to 10 in that game. So Packers have this history. Two out of their last three playoff losses have come at the hands of the Niners. Well, it's
1: always interesting when the coaching matchup is there's a connection, right? Like, yeah. I mean, and this can happen in a couple of different ways. Like we've seen the coaching matchup when kyle shanahan goes up against those cover three systems right he just destroys them but now you're getting these matchups because shanahan's uh, offense has been so successful and his coaching tree you're getting shanahan versus his protégés so shanahan versus Lafleur, i mean shanahan knows the systems like he okay they've developed wrinkles and they've changed and they've got their own spin on them but Shanahan knows the skeleton of this. He understands how it functions. He understands the cracks, and he understands what causes it problems because he's been trying to work out the
0: kings for the last fifteen years. So, meanwhile, Dan Quinn, who just got beat up last week by the you know by the Packers, seems to struggle against right. his old coach. You know, his but I, old I absol- offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan, and his disciples.
1: I absolutely think there is a good chance that. Uh, that Kyle Shanahan will be able to help the 49ers defense slow down any offense that comes from his coaching tree. And in this case, specifically,
0: uh, Matt LaFleur. Um, I think the it's December. I mean, January. Yes. So you got to run the ball. I will say, not to joke about that, like, Love didn't have to drop back a ton last week. They ran the ball really effectively, especially in the red zone. I think when you talk about the run game, in playoff, in playoff time, it's like it's not, you know, gotta gotta get your 25 carries. It's just you need to have different ways to win. And I do think mixing it up. This is that's when this offense has been at their best. Is when they're mixing it up. And since week 16, when he came back, or you know, he came back from injury in week 15, but since that point, Aaron Jones has been outstanding. Like one of the better stretches of his career, not just statistically. PFF grade, like running well. He's missed uh, six, five, seven, and four. Uh, Force missed tackles over the last few weeks underrated part of this Packers offense right now and having other answers I think they are it's gonna sound crazy I mean they're they're more equipped to take on a juggernaut type a type of team like the Niners maybe than they were even with Aaron Rodgers on our center because I think there's a little more balance across the offense um and then the other thing I wanted to highlight, I know the Packers fans have been peppering us with this throughout the year. Every time we say, hey, early in the year, Jordan Love is missing a lot of throws. And Packers fans would say, yeah, but the receivers weren't on the same page. And there was elements to that, right? Sure. Um, but the report coming out recently that because Aaron Rodgers changed so many plays at the line of scrimmage, it really affected the play calling. Um, and and they were, I think they were trying to say this not from a that wasn't effective standpoint, it was it was harder to keep the receivers on the same page it was harder to within the flow of a game say we showed this look therefore we could show a similar look and then add this wrinkle to it and we'll create an open throw the packers in lafleur they had they struggled doing that and that is what that's the shanahan scheme genius right is we're going to show a whole bunch of similar looks add a wrinkle and then there's a wide open tight end or there's an open receiver behind the defense In the second half of the season, they've started to be able to do that because Jordan Love's not changing as many plays. He's running the offense. And remember, Joe Thomas made the statement, Kyle Shanahan tells a story when he calls plays. Mm. Or what you mentioned about Bobby. I'm going to run some plays that might not have great APA. They might not have great success earlier, but it's setting something else up. That's how this offense works. And Matt LaFleur is able to do that more now because Jordan Love and his receivers are running the offense.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm I not going to make any kind of crazy sweeping statements about Jordan Love versus Aaron Rodgers, you know, level-wise, but I think it was Nick Bosa talking this week said, uh, like, Jordan Love runs, like, he does what he's coached to do better than Aaron Rodgers, right? He essentially, he's closer to what LaFleur is wanting the, the offense to be or how he expects it to be run, whereas Rodgers, you know, with the benefit of, 15 plus years of playing experience and his his level i guess trusts his own ability to make it up on the fly more um because like this offense is like the meta system right now that like the most effective tactic available to coaches i think actually a guy that's sticking to the script more may have more success right now and jordan love is sticking to the script really well and making everything work. Like when the script runs out, Jordan Love is finding a way of just buying a little bit of time or, you know, finding a throw that doesn't look like it's there and threading a needle and those kinds of things, but is generally sticking to what is being asked, what is being called. So you have almost the benefit of both worlds. You have the overall painting that's being constructed by Matt LaFleur, and then you have Jordan Love's improvisational skills or ad-libbing ability Making those plays work rather than changing it to something else and making those plays work.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's a really good point. I mean, when I when I watched Rogers and uh, I, I felt I felt like Lafleur's biggest impact in the Rogers MVP years was in the red zone, where they would have. I mean, they had wide open receivers all over the place in the tight red zone. But now it feels like all over the field. You're seeing the offense. You're seeing the system loves playing within it and then adding his own spectacular plays to it, like you said. So that's been fun to watch, and it is like. Can't give the Packers enough credit. I think we had a, we had a take earlier in the year. At least I did. I said, hey, maybe you know, next year. Maybe next year, the Packers. You know, if Love develops and all, these, all this young team, maybe next year. And instead of next year, it was week eight. Maybe week eight ends up becoming the big turning point. So the Packers are here for a reason. Um, other side of the ball, I want to talk 49ers offense, Packers defense, though. I don't, I don't know if the Packers can stop them. I don't know. I mean, the Packers run defense. They did a good job early against Dallas last week. They've had games where they've been really gap sound. And they've had games. Steelers game comes to mind. I remember talking, because we always have to justify ourselves to Steelers fans. Why why wasn't the run blocking grade unbelievable for the Steelers? I'm like, because the Packers were bad defensively. The run fits were atrocious. And the running from the Steelers was really good. It wasn't so much they got beat up in the trenches. The Packers have these games where they just completely out of position, don't fit the run really well. And the Niners, in addition to having Christian McCaffrey, a Trent Williams, they also do a really good job of, you know, again, making you wrong defensively. So I have concerns about the run game and the pass game for the Packers defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think they match up well against the 49ers, but I don't think pretty much anybody matches up well against the 49ers. It's also difficult to know what this Green Bay defense is right now because it looked atrocious for a while. It's looked good in certain games, and then it's on a run of, like, a few games where it's looked really good right when everyone had decided it was time to fire the defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, right? Like, that moment seems to have been like, oh, quick, let's pull out all the good plays and save the job. But it came against... Carolina, Minnesota, Chicago, and then this Dallas team that got blown out early before they started putting up a ton of garbage time points. So we
0: didn't we don't we didn't learn anything in the Dallas game. Other than pick six
1: in the last four games. That's my point. Like we know that the defense played a lot better, but was that simply a product of who they ran up against, or are they actually a lot better than they looked? Um, You know, I think Jair Alexander. We know he's capable of being an elite top tier corner, and he's made some really good plays. Like, they've had individuals playing better, but I don't think we know yet whether the scheme is going to have that type of performance against a much, much better team and much better offense in the 49ers. But it has had games against good offenses this season where it has randomly shown up and done really well, right? If it has one of those games, and it kind of needs to, then, then it's really close. Otherwise, I think it's a shootout with neither team really being able to slow down the other.
0: Haven't even talked about Brock Purdy. today um depending on where you use the cutoff week eight week nine whatever it is this is a battle of the top two graded quarterbacks since that random point yep um that might not be the most statistically sound way of doing things other than telling the story of jordan love started to play much better football halfway through the season i test stat test whatever test you want to put out there that was true brock purdy the stats did get much better, they did get better too, but they were starting from a much higher baseline. Mm-hmm. But he also stopped throwing the ball to the defense for, for a while. And, and the one you know, call it a dud in there was the Ravens game. And even then, as we've talked about a lot, I think the four interceptions were you know, a little unlucky, a little inflated. He didn't play great, right? But it wasn't as bad as the stat line showed. So Purdy has been outstanding. Um, the only team that's slowed down this Niners offense is the Ravens. And I'm just – the, the one other thing I'll say, the Niners have had these games where they put up 450, 500 yards but don't finish. They they only end up with like 28 points. They need to finish those plays. They need to finish those drives. I think they're going to move the ball extremely effectively, and it's going to come down to the uh, playoff cliches here, Sam. Got to win in the red zone.
1: Yeah. I mean, the so one other element that's going to be – I think fascinating in this game is the pass rush versus the pass protection on both sides, actually. Um, I think San Francisco's pass protection and their offensive line generally is worse, Uh, but so is Green Bay's pass rush relative to San Francisco's, right? So you've got the 49ers offensive line that has Trent Williams and then a bunch of guys that are okay and somehow, because everything else is so good, it generally gets papered over as not really a problem. Can Green Bay force that into being a problem? They've got guys on the interior have been making some plays recently. Rashawn Gary is on a quiet run of not having any kind of impact for like five or six weeks at this point. They could really use the version of Rashawn Gary that was playing last season before he got injured. Well, the first six or and seven early weeks this year. Yeah, he was at a
0: ridiculous Right, rate. when they yeah. were
1: easing him back in. But he's just gone completely cold the last few weeks. They can line him up against, you know, not Trent Williams, and they really need him to make an impact. And then the flip side of that is you got Green Bay, who rank in the top 10 in terms of pass blocking efficiency this season, who really sort of settled in with that offensive line um, with a, a kind of set group of personnel. Zach Tom has been a pretty good right tackle, um, good pass blocking, only given up two sacks this season. And then Rashid Walker, who his tape didn't look great before he kind of nailed down that job. And you're like, that's that's a problem spot without David Bakhtiari there. He's really started to play quite well. This giant, like gargantuan tackle, six foot six, 320 plus pounds. Um, he's given up some sacks, but generally speaking, like his pass blocking grade has been 75. Uh, he hasn't given up that much pressure. You know, can the 49ers' pass rush overcome what has been pretty good for Green Bay and actually turn just an area that they haven't been thinking about for a
0: while into a problem all of a sudden? Some really good matchups to watch in this for sure. I mean, the, um, the one last thing I'll say too, I think the linebacker position, I always reference that on the show here and the challenge that the linebacker position has. I was talking about that a little bit with the Ravens against the Texans. The whole Shanahan scheme, the goal is to make linebackers wrong, to make box defenders wrong, and the Ravens are equipped to maybe, you know, handle that against the Texans. And you've got Fred Warner in the middle of the field for the Niners, you know, ready to handle that maybe against the Packers. Packers linebackers have had some serious issues. I mean, that
1: meme of you know the Shanahan, uh, the Shanahan magnifying glass thing on the linebacker, yeah. like Shanahan is zooming in on Quay Walker right now and being like, "Devondre <laughs> Campbell, be a rough week for Quay you, son.
0: I mean, it, it, this is sometimes if it's if you're looking at the teams that are gonna shut down those misdirection heavy Shanahan type of offenses, they're gonna put you in conflict, high low you and. Get you moving all over the place. Look to the linebackers. It's another advantage that the Niners have in this one. It's why they're favored by nine and a half here, Sam. So I think light, you already. Light rain forecast. You did. See, I didn't even look because it's San Francisco. But yeah, yeah light rain. Not enough to, uh, to affect things here. Sounds like you're going with the, with the dogs this weekend.
1: Yep, Green Bay. I'm not taking anybody getting nine and a half points with Jordan Love playing the way he's playing right now.
0: I think I have to agree with you here. I should have checked the standings to see if I need to start because if if I'm going to beat you, I, if we have to pick differently here, right? You know, I should have added that up, but lazy this year. Mm. In addition, Seems it's the way I set up the sheet. It's just I didn't have it. I didn't have the automation set up. I'll take the underdogs as well. I'll take Green Bay. I think the I think the Ravens and Niners win, but uh, you know, under ten, ruined for some good playoff games here. The other thing I'm rooting for is our prize picks lineup this weekend. You ready for it? Uh huh. I mentioned it on yesterday's show. What
1: fascinating way is Eli going to find to fail this time?
0: Could you explain how close has he come to, uh, to pulling these off? Well,
1: last week was the, one of the worst beats I've seen for anything ever, where he, he actually had the complete lineup, and then a, an offside penalty made them take a field goal off the board, and they, they didn't get another one. So we that's needed how we lost one more field goal. Now, as to his, in his defense— that was the first one where he'd actually claimed beforehand that that was a flex play, so he still wins. But he doesn't get the
0: 10x because of that field goal. Man. Well, here's what we're le- working with this weekend. Chris McCaffrey going more than a half rushing plus receiving touchdown. Dalton Kincaid going more than 39 and a half receiving yards for the Bills against the Chiefs. And then Josh Allen, Bills quarterback, 43 and a half rushing yards. We're going to go more than that number in the game against Kansas City Sunday night. That's our prize picks lineup. You can do the same thing prize picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in north america the easiest and most exciting way to play dfs it's just you against the numbers as you're seeing up on the screen you pick more you pick less it's that easy instead of battling thousands of players including pros and sharks you pick more than or less than a two to six player stat projection and then watch the winnings roll in you play alongside some of PrizePix's favorite players like rapper meek mill and comedian andrew schultz you can do that under the community plays you'll find the community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the PrizePix community every week. PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So for football and basketball games, if a player who exits the game in the first half doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So that's it. Check out our lineup this week, and you guys can go play yourself as well. Here's what you do. You go to prizepickscom slash PFFNFL. Use the code PFFNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash PFFNFL. Use the code PFFNFL. First deposit match is up to $100. Prize picks. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. All right, man. We're on to Sunday. Moving quick here. This is great. It's going to be a great show. Tampa Bay Bucks at the Detroit Lions. 3 o'clock. They're hosting another playoff game in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And the Lions are favored by 6.5.
1: Yep. Makes sense. <laughs> Vegas is not buying into uh, the Buccaneers as much as acknowledging that the Eagles were absolute
0: garbage in that game. They were. I mean, the, the box, I mean, there was a lot of, um, drops and just misses, just missed connections mm-hmm. on the box. Like they could have had 500 yards and 40 plus points. Yeah. That was just ugly, ugly, ugly by the Eagles, not to take any credit away from the box. Um, but they're playing pretty well, both sides of the ball. The, the other part of it, I don't know how much... I can't listen to all the shows I'm not on, Sam. I don't know how much you guys talked about just the horrible way that the Eagles were trying to handle the Bucks' blitz. Mm-hmm. Atrocious. But over these last few weeks, I'll, t- I'll say this, the, the Lions are battle-tested against the blitz. They are battle-tested. Jared Goff going up against the Vikings, two out of the last three games of the season. I highlighted those numbers in the Week 18 review show out of this world against the Vikings he had like 500 passing yards across two games against the Vikings in their blitz heavy attack not every blitz is the same I'm just saying historically when you face Jared Goff you would say yeah yeah blitz him a little bit get him a little antsy zero blitz he had trouble with when he was with McVay and the Rams but the Lions have very good blitz answers that the Eagles didn't have that's how Todd Bowles likes to play so just matchup wise it's going to be a much bigger challenge, I think, for the Bucs than what we saw on Monday night against the Eagles.
1: Yeah, it will be. Um, I think the good news for them is that you know Detroit's defense is by far the worst part of it. So this, I you know Baker Mayfield and the Bucks offense might still be able to have some good success and try and keep pace with a Detroit offense that's very good. Like I do expect the Lions to be able to put up points and you know have their their fair share of joy. So you're going to need the Bucks offense to keep pace. Um, the Lions' defense is a defense I think they can do that against. Uh, it's it's a weird game where, you know, the Bucks did this thing of switching Tristan Wirfs from right tackle where he'd been the best right tackle in the NFL, certainly top two since he came into the league, and moved him to left tackle, where I think he's still been really good, and last week was phenomenal, by the way, against the Eagles. Um, but maybe a tick worse than he's been at right tackle. But generally, Aiden Hutchinson lines up on the right side, and it's like it's a game where you're like, man, if we could just switch Tristan Wirfs back just for one game, maybe this would be the one to do it. But instead, it's probably going to be Hutchinson against Luke uh, Gedecky for most of the game. And you're like, uh, you know, that you'd lean Hutchinson in that matchup, whereas with Tristan Worfs it would be you'd probably lean Worfs.
0: A couple short-armed guys right over there. Yeah. Gedecky in his uh, 32-and-a-half-inch arms against uh, what's, what's Hutch? 33? Is he in the 32s? I think it's I think a 32-and-a-half versus 32. No, yeah. 32-and-seven-eighths maybe. Yeah. It's that's... draft season. I'm, you know, the Senior Bowl in a couple weeks. I'm, Let's get that arm length. Maybe I'll get tested this you year. You should. The Senior Bowl. I need my arm length officially tested. You Let's should. get it. Uh, Jim Nagy hopefully will be on 32 the show. and to talk
1: Senior Bowl. 32 and, and an eighth.
0: In an eighth. Yeah, just the one eighth. Geticki doesn't have too many uh, arm length advantages. He's got him beat by an eighth. Yeah, that's going to be huge. Keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on that in this game. Um, no, I definitely, look, I think the playoffs are where. Team weaknesses potentially get exploited. The Lions' defense, and they they cracked down in the second half. They, they cracked down in the red zone at least. Yeah, there were they have given up a slew of big plays, too many big plays. And I'll say this, you know, sometimes you get the the halftime interview where a coach is like, "We really got to clean up the whatever," and Dan Campbell says, "We got to clean up the big plays. Can't have it." And coming out of the half, the very first play, coverage bust. Mm. But Stafford missed it, threw it out of bounds. But I think after that point, the Lions did. Do, they listened to Dan. They did a much better job of not giving up those big plays. I would want to listen to Dan. If I, I was, would too. If I was there. Um, the other interesting thing about, I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from the Bucks. I thought they had open receivers left and right. I think offensive coordinator Dave Canales has done an outstanding job. I mean, you can almost see it right from the beginning of the preseason that they were actually going to try to put the defense in a bind do stuff that uh, byron Leftwich wasn't really doing at the end of his run there we're actually going to use misdirection we're going to use play action we're going to use our backs in the past game to create mismatches and they've done a great job of that um and in that game they didn't even need mike evans right they didn't need their best players mike evans or chris godwin for a for a big chunk of it whereas early in the season it was those dudes that you needed to rely on we have to feed mike evans or this offense isn't moving the ball Let's not forget, this Bucks offense scored like 21 points a game this year. For the totality of the year, it hasn't been a great offense. But the second half stretch here, it's been much better. So I think they'll be able to, uh, I think that improvement and being able to get the ball to different playmakers, get the ball to the tight ends, to Trey Palmer, has been great for this offense. And they'll have opportunities there against the Lions
1: yeah one thing that's going to be different though is they're probably not going to be able to run the ball as well um Detroit has a pretty good run defense this year the Eagles run defense was just atrocious was horrendous last week and you know it was like the Bucks don't run the ball particularly well and yet Rashad White was just (laughs) like rattling off seven yards Gary every time he touched the ball you're like this is not going to go well for Philadelphia Jordan
0: Davis was supposed to solve all of that for the Eagles
1: so That's not going to happen this week, I wouldn't have thought. Like, that's going to change the whole dynamic, and it's going to put more pressure on Baker Mayfield's shoulders. Um, I will say, so I'm I'm still not, you know, I'm not buying Baker yet. I'm still fully expecting at some point it's just not going to happen. But when you watch him play now and when you see some of the sort of mic'd up segments and those kinds of things, Baker is back, like, having fun and it has the swag back and has the attitude and the like the confidence that was so apparent in his college tape you know in his college career where he was you know throwing the flag down at the the center the the symbol like beaning guys that were running their warmups through his end zone all these kinds of things right that was on that line of is that is that a a swag that you like or is that too far like is he is that a problem for you as a prospect I think it's part of his makeup and I think if he's in that area, it's good it's a good thing for Baker Mayfield and his ability to play in any given week. And right now the guy is in that kind of zone right now. He's having fun, like he's you know, messing with people on the sideline during games and things. Like he's playing relaxed. And I think you probably get the best version of Baker Mayfield, whatever that is, in those
0: circumstances. They've done a great job with him there. I think again, Canales, the offensive coordinator, I mean we didn't mention it through these games when it's it's bobby against mike mcdonald in the texans ravens game those guys are like interviewing for the same jobs right. we're talking about the the hot coordinators slowick mcdonald canalis has had head coaching interviews there's a lot of these guys around this weekend um and so canalis has done it awesome he was the qb coach in seattle with geno smith um the the one comparison i will make to geno smith who once again last year at this time uh exceeded expectations led a team to the playoffs uh baker's gotten away with some stuff this year i think the stats are outstanding he does quietly have 25 turnover worthy plays Um, that's fourth highest in the nfl including the playoffs so he had the one the other day that was a dropped interception only 10 picks a couple fumbles in there but only 10 picks so far this year so there's been you know a couple of those per game and sometimes Baker's gone away with those. You just have to keep an eye on those particular plays, much like uh, Geno Smith, I think, got away with a bunch last year, and it helped the overall stat line, the overall projection um, or perception. Keep an eye on that. But what you said, I think Mayfield's scrambling. Just the, the number of third and fours and third and fives that he's picked up with his legs, uh, the number of third and longs and big plays that he's made, Just been it's been really impressive. And I, And I think they've... I think they've played to his strength, Sam. Remember, like, Mayfield's not a great... Um, I hit, he had hit Evans with a nice deep ball the other day. He doesn't layer the ball all the uh, well all the time. He doesn't throw with touch well all the time. But he has a cannon for an arm
1: oh yeah and I, he
0: will rip those outside the numbers throws and everything i think they've played to his strengths and how they've built the scheme as well i
1: think he's just inconsistent like i don't it's not that he can't do he can make it's all the throws Not can't
0: do but when i say start, yeah. you know it is it's i mean that's what that is he's when the classic
1: say, like he can make all the throws baker mayfield can make every throw in the book um he just can't make them all the time apparently. he's
0: more consistent when it's ripping a seam yeah ripping a deep out or a comeback that's how he likes to create those chunk plays when you got to layer it throw you with know, touch, those are, not that he can't hit them, but those are more hit or miss mm. is what I would say. And uh, they have those in there. Yeah. You know? um, they have those plays in there. How do you think the weather is going to affect the game? Oh, that poor woman. I saw it. I, I appreciate nuanced takes and not quote dunk. No, I don't, we don't all need to quote dunk on the woman who asked about the weather in Detroit. We don't need to quote dunk on her. I mean, sometimes. Sometimes funny. you might need. But sometimes Peter Schrager. funny enough to dunk on it. Schrager. By the way, Schrager, I mean, if you're listening, man, I sent you a DM. I need to need an answer here. You think that's the way to get their attention? If you're listening, I sent you a DM? Yeah. If you're listening, I sent you a DM. Schrager. No way, Schrager. <laughs> Check your DMs. No way Pete Schrager listening to us. But um, he came out and he said, this might be one of your um, you know, local news reporters where they're understaffed and she probably covers politics or something. And she had to go cover the game. Mm. To which I say, okay, maybe you know, maybe that's true, but I do like if you're that person, why do you have to even ask a question at the press conference?
1: Right, just sit there and write down what he said. Just
0: write down what he said. You don't have to ask a question yeah. just because
1: you're there. Everybody that's there can say he told us or he told me. You know, you don't need you don't need to be the one asking the question. Why do you have to ask the question? Yeah, good it's for true. Todd Bowles. Like Todd Bowles didn't. It was such a great answer. Mock her. You well, kind of. You know, he's like you do know they play. Indoors, they they got a dome, <laughs> and then you know I think a lot of people that would have been it, but he was like, no, I haven't answered the question, so no, nothing specific,
0: <laughs> but he almost pivoted to like. You know, like we do have to low, go from our hotel. Yeah, to he's our like, bus it's like it's seven
1: seconds out in the cold between gonna, the bus and the hotel. We're, we're not good. Adjust yeah. anything. But I love that there was a pause, and he sort of went, "You know what? I haven't answered your question. I should do that." And then he's like, "No, so we're, no not, we will, we're not going to make any adjustments for the seven seconds or outside between the the plane and the bus and the bus and the hotel. I think we'll be okay."
0: <sighs> Dome football doesn't matter though, and you see, you know, it's easier to chuck it around, and uh, it is harder on the defense. So, sure, um, other side of the ball with Detroit. I just—I love the way their offense has been this entire season. I love that they have answers in different ways to to win. Jared Goff had an outstanding game last week against the Rams. And when you look at his season, Sam, like, it, yeah, you, you can't just take samples, but it's just trying to paint a picture of what you've seen. If you just take, like, 12 or 13 games, Goff is, like, QB1 from yeah. a grading standpoint. Just 12—so, like, when like, you're watching the Lions in 12 out of 13 games, if you add that up, you're watching a guy that's played— as well as any quarterback in the league, he did have that three or four game lull where he just wasn't seeing the field.
1: It's amazing. He is M V P outside of a four week stretch where he just melted down, including two games against Chicago, one game against Green Bay when they hadn't really started playing well yet, and New Orleans on the road. Yeah. Like, that makes that's the one that makes sense. And that was his best game of the four, by the way. Like he actually played fine in that game. It was just in that stretch. It was the but two, so it's Chicago essentially, Right. It's essentially in Green to, Bay
0: who allows everybody to play that's what i'm saying
1: it's essentially a three game stretch in four weeks all of which were within the division and two of which were against the chicago bears defense the green bay defense before it started to play much better where he had uh all all three of his worst games of the season and they all came in that one stretch that knocked him way out of like you know number one graded quarterback range and way back into the pack again and he's never really sort of dragged it all the way back outside of that He's had one slightly below-average game, and that was against the Ravens, who have arguably the best defense in the NFL. Like, outside of that, he hasn't had a bad game. That's using and it's our all grades, been of course,
0: not just the production numbers or whatever. That's using our grades.
1: Yeah, and it's all yeah. been just consistent, really good, metronomic, accurate, you know, productive. It's insane. But because you saw those games happen, and because it's Jared Goff, and we've seen his career, it's almost like you're waiting for that to happen again. And like last week, right, when it was Stafford versus Goff, you're like, if, if you have confidence in which one of these guys is more likely to melt down, you're like, Goff by a mile. Um, and there's just always that niggling feeling with him that it could be this game.
0: Um, sometimes when you're looking at blitz versus no-blitz numbers, it, it, because uh, so many of the blitz throws are just like quick hitters, get the ball out of your hands, the production numbers – So, like, how how a QB handles the blitz is often based off of who he has to throw to, the scheme, having answers, like we said. Would you say Jalen Hurts is bad against the blitz? I don't know. Maybe he is, but I don't think the Eagles are doing him any favors. So I just wanted to highlight just pure passer rating. Jared Goff, 101 when he's not blitzed, 95.7 when he is blitzed. There's not much of a difference there. But like I said, at the end of the season, in those Vikings games, where they're throwing a lot at him, the Lions just torch them. Um, the Bucks did a great job the other night of it was just like we're going to show one thing and drop out the other way, and, and they had the Eagles completely flummoxed. I don't think that's going to happen with the Lions. It could. I mean, I, I think it still might be the strategy against Goff and the Lions
1: I mean, I, is to attack way. him
0: because, like you said, like there's this history of, you know, maybe he might throw it to the defense. Right. He does have more turnover-worthy plays against the Blitz than he does um, a four-man rush. But I do think the Lions with Amandra St. Brown, with Sam Laporta, they have the answers to the yeah. blitz questions.
1: Either way, it's what they do, so it's what they're going to be doing. You know, yeah. Like Todd Bowles blitzes. We know this. This is a constant. It's, it's a moot point sort of saying, should they do it? Should they go to-? like they're going to blitz. So that's one of the things you're going to be dealing with in this game is how does Jared Goff and that offense perform against the blitz? I think generally Ben Johnson has had answers to pretty much any scheme that he's run up against. Um I mean think about what they did to the Minnesota Vikings I think they might have been the first team that almost showed a showed a blueprint showed the gaps the exploitations within that Vikings defense and it was never the same for the last few games once they met the Lions I sort of feel like the same thing's going to happen here he will have answers to the Todd Ball's blitz defense and I can't really see a world without turnovers being involved where the Lions offense doesn't have quite a lot of success
0: at, at the end of the season uh Lion, I'm not going to say anything. Devin White had been battling injuries. He had that one outstanding game where he played well. Mm-hmm. But KJ Britt has been cutting into his playing time. KJ Britt had 33 snaps the other night. Devin White just 26. Um, you know, it's, it's taken a few years, but I think the Bucs overall maybe soured on Devin White heading into this season. If he's out there, it's another one of those offensive coordinator maybe target on his back. You can make him wrong. You know, use his aggressiveness, use his speed against him. Ben Johnson, the way he schemes things up, just something I would keep an eye on because this whole weekend, Ben Johnson, another guy, another hot offensive coordinator name who's probably going to become a head coach. It's another opportunity for him to shine. And outside of Levante, David might have some opportunities against these Bucks linebackers. Britt has played really well. Just saying if Devin White is out there, certain packages, whatever it might be, something to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Um, and Devin White did most of his. What they've pretty much done is blitzed him yeah. the majority of the time. So they're they're pretty much just using Devin White to rush the passer, which is what he does best. Much like former Lion Jared Davis, remember remember that was like what he did well. Yeah, rush the passer.
1: Um, Levante David still still trucking at his age. Still, I think one of the better coverage linebackers in the NFL. Him going up against rookie Sam Laporta, is yeah. going to be interesting to see. Um, I mean remember like Levante David has probably done the best job of shutting down prime Travis Kelsey you know Laporta whatever he is he's not Kelsey he's also coming off that knee injury he's probably not 100 percent on the other hand Levante David is getting older so he's probably not what he was when he was at his prime but that I think is a really fun one-on-one matchup to watch
0: yeah it's a great one um I mean the Lions too just going back as we like to talk about the draft Laporta Gibbs has been really good uh like the way they've used him um, Jack Campbell's played a lot of football. I mean, they we'll look see. like got they, got nailed, some work to do. They, they nailed look, their draft. Yeah,
1: But it was, I mean, that, we said that at the time, right? Ryan that Branch. you can't really argue with the players they drafted. It's simply the order and, and position at which they drafted them that you would quibble with. Um, but the more, the more picks they made in that draft, the better the draft looked, I think. Like, overall, you came out of that draft saying, okay, I don't love the positional value or the sort of positions that they drafted them, but the players, I think they're going to end up with a real
0: haul." All right, one more matchup I want to talk about. Lions, one of the better offensive lines in the league against this Bucks defensive front. Mm-hmm. You always mention that if, uh, why can't Vita Vea just bench press centers and guards every down? Because yeah. when he does it, it looks like he's unstoppable. He had elements of those plays the other night. I really don't understand that. The Bucks, I mean, every time the Eagles, the Eagles had a weird game plan too because they didn't really try to run the ball. They didn't try to get the ball out to the perimeter where they had success previously against the Bucs. They were just banging their head against the wall, and the Bucks did a really good job of crowding the line, making them one-dimensional. I mean, if the Bucks play like that up front against the line, can they do that up front against this Lions offensive line, I guess is the question. I mean, Vita Vea
1: is like a permanent X factor in any game because in any play, he could just take a guy, throw him out of his way, and go make an insane play single-handedly. Or, you know, stop an unstoppable push play at the goal line because he's Vita Vea. Like, he can do that and change games single-handedly, but for some reason, he only ever does it two or three times a game, and you can never predict when they're coming. So consequently, they might not make an effect on the game whatsoever. right? If he does it like first and ten on a drive randomly in the game and they just pick it up anyway, made no difference. But if he does it on third and eight and he actually stops the drive, like Vita Veya can change the game for you. So I, I think he's this complete wild card in any game you, you play where he can change the performance based off the absurd things that he's able to do. I just will never understand why he's not able to do it more consistently.
0: All right. Let's make some picks. Lions by six and a half here, Sam.
1: Uh, well, since I, by the
0: way, they did play week seven, week eight, whatever it was, Detroit won 20 to six in Tampa.
1: Since I am perpetually
0: out on Baker Mayfield, I will go with the lions. Wow. I don't sick of agreeing with you. So I'll take the bucks. How's that for (laughs) nice. How's that for an answer? I mean, I probably should have mentioned the other game. It was 20 to six and, uh, Craig Reynolds was running back for the Lions, so they didn't have the same running game, and that was one of the more impressive games. I, for me, uh, by Jared Goff, because he just dropped back like forty-five times, and they were, they only scored the twenty points, but they were moving the ball pretty well. They had a red zone turnover, I believe, in there. Um, so Detroit did a really nice job in that matchup the first time. They're different teams now, mm-hmm. but again, you know, reiterating, I think this Lions off. I think both offenses will have chances for a lot of success here. The Lions are a better overall team. I'll take the Bucks to keep it close enough, though. That
1: was one of Baker's
0: worst games. Interestingly, he was two for ten throwing the ball down the field. the The opportunities were there. I mean that it, it doesn't mean he'll be two for ten again this week if he sure. has those same opportunities. And they're five for ten. It's a completely different game, you know. So that's why it's uh, that's why like just looking at the score, being like, oh, they beat him by fourteen, they'll do it again. It's like sometimes a couple plays completely change that, right? Yeah, right. All right, let's tell you about our friends over at AG1 before we get to this last game. We drink it every day here, the PFF NFL podcast. Love AG1, like to kick off my day. Got my coffee, got my AG1. Great way to just get going, get to the podcast, whether it's 7 a.m., whether it's 10.30. Feeling good with my AG1 in the morning. Makes me feel ready to take on the day, man. Get all my nutrients in my body right away, along with my caffeine. That's how we do it. It's good for everybody here. It's good for athletes, too. Athletes use AG1. They like to take care of their bodies Huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health. They like to drink AG1, so I like to drink AG1 because I know they're taking care of their body and I'm doing the same. With every daily serving, we're setting ourselves up for success with 75 high-quality ingredients that give us the key daily nutrients to support energy, focus, strength, and clarity. It's this micro habit that delivers macro benefits and helps just about everybody take great care of their health every single day. also love that it costs less than $3 a day. Pretty good nutrition investment if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with high-quality sourced ingredients. A win-win for all of us here on the PFF NFL Podcast. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. So you go to drinkag1.com slash PFF. That's drink, A-G, the number onecom slash PFF. Go check it out right after the show or right now. You can do both. All right, man. Sunday night. Bills Chiefs in Buffalo, Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game. we got the Bills favored by 2.5 here, 6.30 start Sunday evening.
1: Yeah, 2.5, so not even the full three-point home favorite thing.
0: It's not. They're close. I mean, I, I think Buffalo was a slight favorite in Kansas City uh, about a month ago, whatever that was. Uh, they played a great game. That was the Kadarius-Don't-Tony offsides play. Mm. I wonder I, – you know, the. I wonder if the Chiefs are confident enough to have, like, a, a lateral play ready, you know? Missed opportunity last time. We didn't, but we'll, we'll hit play it Play one, time. just run yeah. it back. Yeah. See what happens. But, yeah, the, the narrative-wise, of course, you know, Josh Allen and the Bills trying to get over this playoff hump. Doesn't They've, that
1: feel weird, though, that they were slight favorite in Kansas City in that game, which they won. They haven't lost since. I would say of the two teams they're definitely the one that has made the biggest strides from where they were at that particular point and somehow vegas is sort of saying actually it's the chiefs
0: are now a better team i think it's comparatively i think it's the health um i, I also think um, people looked at the, the chiefs pretty much dominated the other night they moved the ball really well offensively and it almost looked like like did patrick mahomes and the offense have a good uh, a good season relative to expectations for kansas city absolutely not but they moved the ball really well. I mean, it was like playoff Mahomes the other day. Yeah, against a team
1: that had no pass rush and was blitzing the crap out of them because they had no pass rush. No, which, I get it. Which you don't do to Mahomes ever because but, he's but Mahomes. Buffalo also played on Monday, Kansas City played on Saturday. So that's. Have you run your numbers of like every game they've had extra rest forever? It, Why does the NFL rig the game for Kansas City?
0: <laughs> right? Well, they had a stretch at the end of the season where they were the, on the other end of it. And that was when they, were, they, were, they weren't playing very well, Kansas City. That was when they were struggling. I think that kind of matters. Buffalo just played Monday, and here's who's questionable. Starting slot, Teron Johnson is in concussion protocol. Taylor Rapp, safety. Uh, both linebackers, Terrell Bernard, Tyrell Dodson, both questionable. Um, Christian Benford at corner, questionable. Now, I think Rasul Douglas should be back on one side for Buffalo. But this whole defense is depleted. Yeah, again. Gabe Davis again, too. But I, I'm less worried about Gabe Davis. I think when you're going up against this Chiefs offense, the Bills having a depleted defense, it, it's, it's, not even, it's just Andy Reid knows how to attack those guys. He knows how to attack. My, the whole story of this whole show is, like, good offensive coordinators know how to attack the linebacker level. Well, Teron Johnson is, like, an extra linebacker at nickel. And both linebackers are questionable.
1: It's some of their best players this year on defense. And it's not even factoring the players that they've been missing all the way along. Forget the players they lost in the offseason, like right. you know Edmonds. But Matt Milano going down earlier, they lost some of their most important players early. And these have been the guys that have been playing really well in their stead. And then they get banged up. The, the worst thing about that game against Pittsburgh is you're watching it, and, like, every few minutes there's another Buffalo Bill down. You're like, come on. Yeah. They're well, winning just, this game. They're going to win this game. Just right. stop getting hurt. It's ruining the next game.
0: Yeah. And plus, the last game, like, did Buffalo win? Yes. Just two plays off the top of my head. Uh, Josh Allen nearly running out of bounds, pivoting back and making a big throw. Huge play. Right. So that's, you know, kind of a crazy play. That was one of the biggest plays of the game. And then the the Kadarius Tony offside. I mean, those two things flip the game in Buffalo's favor. So I don't think it's Buffalo's a much better team. I mean they're they're really close teams. That's that's what it is. Yeah. But I think that the injuries stacked up. Like if they had a few more of these guys healthy, maybe Buffalo's favored by a little bit more.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean the injuries have to be a factor at some point for Buffalo. They've just lost too many guys. Um, but I guess if you were going to lose players concentrated in on one side of the ball or not you would prefer them to be gone on defense for Buffalo rather than offense because Kansas City's offense is doing the job for you half the time with mistakes whether it's drops you know penalties whatever the, the Chiefs offense has not been the force that it has been previously whereas the Chiefs defense is amazing so if you if the Buffalo team was like down all of its offensive linemen or all of its receivers and you were going up against the Chiefs defense you'd be like I mean, they're in real trouble. Whereas now it's like, okay, clearly you don't want to face Patrick Mahomes with a very depleted defense. On the other hand, can you rely on half the guys they have to reliably
0: catch the ball? Probably not.
1: So we might get away with it.
0: Um, I will say, I wonder if the Bills, you know, like if if this was the previous Bills team, I think they had decent pass catchers. They've been spreading the ball around a ton, right? Mm -hmm. They haven't relied on Stephon Diggs nearly as much as they have in past years. And if he goes up against Le'Jarius Sneed, Sneed's been awesome this year, especially you know it up against against good receivers. Are the Bills actually more equipped with how Dalton Kincaid Kin- has continued to to come on? The fact that we've got we've got him going more than his receiving total on our prize picks. Um, Khalil Shakir making a ton of plays in recent weeks. Dawson Knox, you know, always seems to show up when they need him. I, I wonder if Buffalo's actually more equipped. Oh, they definitely are right now. By spreading the ball. Even without Gabe Davis.
1: I mean, yeah. Kincaid, James Cook has been a big uh, threat out of the backfield. Shakir, as you mentioned. I mean, we just saw a couple of plays from Deontay Hardy showing what he can do when you get the ball in uh, his hands. Him, like, that guy's electric. Get him a few more plays. Yeah, so I think absolutely. They've got ways to spread the ball around and make you uh, defend everybody that's out there on the field. I, they're definitely, I think, they've become – this is kind of what they were looking for last year. and the last two years, really, was – Just a more varied group at wide receiver or at receiver, period. Like just more places to go with the football for Josh Allen rather than Stephon Diggs, then Gabe Davis, and then nothing.
0: Um, The one thing I've highlighted throughout the year is the Chiefs run defense. And, you know, from a grading standpoint, I don't think it's terrible. It's just they do, they have those games. Where they give up four you give up five they 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 allow offenses to have long drives and it used to be like man you better do that against the chiefs if you steal a possession from patrick mahomes you'll at least give yourself an opportunity and it does i think in a lot of those games that the chiefs lost this year it was the run defense kind of letting them down in addition to the offense pass coverage and what spags has done defensively for the chiefs the the way he has Dialed up pressures at the right time, just made life miserable for opposing quarterbacks for the most part, I think has been huge. But this is the game, too, where Buffalo historically, you know, if, they, if we come out of this and they win, we might say that, you know, they've been building to this because of having James Cook be a bigger part of the offense. I, I think Buffalo's run game is going to be massive in this game. And then at the end of the day, X's and O's and the whole thing, throw it out the window, because they just need Josh Allen to be special four or five times. And the Chiefs might just need Patrick Mahomes to be special four yeah. or five times. And whoever has a little bit more special at the end of the day comes out on top.
1: Yeah, it really is. I think there's a huge element to this game that is exactly that, which is both of these quarterbacks are like we talked about with Lamar Jackson. They're capable of making you wrong no matter what you did. Uh, you can have the perfect defense called against the perfect offensive play. You have everything shut down, everything covered. And then Josh Allen or... Patrick Mahomes, they're just going to go, nope, I'm going to find something ridiculous and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And they'll do it in different ways, but they both do it. and They both do it fairly regularly. Um, maybe Josh Allen is a little bit more likely to also do something silly in, you know, on the flip side. But each one of those guys is capable of doing enough of those plays to tilt the game in their favor. And I mean, Allen was virtually flawless against Buffalo or against uh, Pittsburgh, rather, in the, the wild card. I mean that's absolutely a huge part of it which guy is going to make the most crazy
0: plays and avoid a bad mistake such an interesting history between these two teams they did not play in the playoffs last year or in 22 right or in 22 but in 21 was that crazy divisional game 13 second game the 13 second game the overtime win for the chiefs and that was in the freezing cold as well was that cold it was cold right kansas city Um, This is Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game. Obviously, Super Bowls are neutral sites. It doesn't matter that they played in Tampa. It's neutral. But this first road playoff game, um, he's been outstanding on the road. The Chiefs have been fine on the road with Mahomes under center. I don't think that's going to be a huge factor. Do we have uh, lake effect snow coming in? Last time I checked, it was like just 15, 20 degrees. Nothing Nothing crazy.
1: 23 and broken
0: clouds. Come on. Weak.
1: Pathetic. So it's
0: going to be about 40 degrees warmer no legitimately like 27 degrees warmer than it was in kansas city last week
1: uh yeah and more than that i'm sorry forget i, I need but the wind, wind chill don't
0: have the wind chill here
1: i the wind chill clearly will be lower than i that. need wind chill factored in it's real it feels like what the wind is
0: is there any wind in there uh the wind affects the pass game as much as anything
1: i mean it doesn't mention wind therefore i assume there's not much wind
0: guy finally got back to me. Um yeah, so Mahomes first playoff game, there's your your narrative there and then the Bills you know trying to get trying to get that Super Bowl win. And they'll have to do it, probably going through Kansas City, potentially going through Baltimore to uh to get where they want to go. Yeah, as in beating them. What?
1: As in beating them. I mean yeah. they don't they don't have to go through Kansas City cuz it's in Buffalo.
0: No, through the team. Yeah. Through through the team, not the city. Mm-hmm. Not the city here. Um the other thing in that early matchup, uh, A.J. Epinesa had like an outstanding interception early on Mahomes. Um, the Bills have done a nice job against the Chiefs offense overall, but in the regular season, not in the playoffs. How much does that matter? He's like, you know, in every one of these situations, Sam, I'm like, well, will the Ravens feel the pressure of, you know, never getting to the AFC Championship with Lamar? Will the Niners feel the pressure of maybe the Packers getting up early? will the bills like will this come down to a pressure thing like the chiefs rolled in saturday night against the dolphins and they were just like we've done this before i don't care how cold it is it doesn't matter we're we're the chiefs we're the defending champs well that's the thing
1: the you mentioned the the you know the touchy feely stuff before and we talked about dallas battling against this weight of history and they they know that they choke every year and it, it weirdly makes them <laughs> more inclined to choke the next time because they know it happens The Chiefs are the one team out there that is working in the exact opposite direction where they know that they win these games, right? They've done it before. They have this, whatever you want to call it, like championship pedigree or whatever. They know how to win. They have, they're the one team that is dealing with the exact opposite of what Dallas is. They are buoyed by history. They know that, oh, it can look ridiculous. Like they can score. There's only 13 seconds left on the clock. Doesn't matter. We'll get it done. We've done it before. It's easy. Like that thing that you listen to any old 49ers player talking about Joe Montana. Like there was no situation. The situation could not be bleak enough that they gave up belief that Joe Montana would bring them back and they'd win the game because they'd done it before. And they had all these kinds of ridiculous improbable comebacks already on on the resume. The Chiefs are that. They, there's no situation you can put them in where they are not confident that they can dig their way out of it because they have Patrick Mahomes and they've done it so many times before and they've won all of these games along the way to those Super Bowls. So I do think that that is a thing where, you know, Buffalo has not won this game before in terms of knocking off Kansas City in the playoffs at the critical moment. The Chiefs have. So if it gets tight late on, you know, it, it probably is a factor.
0: Yeah, I mean, even if the Bills get up. I mean, they were up early in the Chiefs game and almost sure. let them back in in Kansas City earlier this year, too. Even if they get up early, that's in the back of their mind. I just have this picture of, like, Chris Jones. At some point in this game, Chris Jones is going to have Josh Allen in his arms. And it's t- you, know, you don't get Josh Allen down right away. It takes a little time. And you see Josh. You just see in his brain. He's got the ball. And Jones has his arms around him. He's trying to, get, he's just, trying to just, just trying to get a handle on it. Just trying to get a handle on it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna shovel it or I'm gonna lateral it. I, you don't know what I'm gonna do with the ball. My fumble might come down to that. Chris Jones is, has Allen wrapped up, and we don't know what's gonna happen with the ball. He's not, but he's not gonna he's just not gonna get tackled.
1: I want the ball's see, gonna get
0: thrown some way, some direction.
1: I want to see a textbook lateral out of the grasp from Josh Allen in this game, where you know he takes off from the pocket, he's running to the right, right. There's a defender in the open field. He's also got a guy you know, trailing behind him. Allen sets up the defender. He cuts inside. Defenders got him wrapped up, and he reaches like right around the guy, one-handed, drops the pass off to the guy running beside him, up the sideline, touchdown. Like textbook rugby play. I was joking, I about, see.
0: I was joking about the Chiefs, but, I, you know, to loosen things up. Sonny Bill Allen. That's what we're dealing with. <laughs> okay. To loosen things up, should the Bills start with the lateral play? Oh, Dalton wait. Kincaid running the lateral. The next Travis Kelsey, Dalton Kincaid here. You know, really say, we're, we're taking over here. That's how you loosen things up, you know, not play tight. Yeah, the touchy-feely stuff matters because when it comes down to crunch time, are the Bills, you know, thinking about past failures? Are they pressing?
1: I don't know that, they would, I, I don't know that it's going to work against them. I think Dallas is the only team where, like, it, <laughs> it works against them in a hard way. But I do think the fact that the Chiefs have the opposite helps them. So I don't think Buffalo is necessarily going to be dealing with the oh we they've beaten us before they're going to beat us again, but I do think Kansas City is sort of aware of the fact that we win these games nobody else does we do we win these games so if it's close if you know the Bills are are, are struggling to get it over the line we know we're going to come back.
0: It's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's uh, again narrative wise it's it's been an interesting year for the Chiefs because. They've won in different ways. They have the second best scoring defense in the NFL. It's been a different style, and it's probably just as equipped to make a playoff run as their previous style, relying more on the offense. And then for Buffalo, they went from a 500 team halfway through the year, but all the underlying metrics said this team's really good. Get Joe Brady in as offensive coordinator. The offense didn't necessarily get better, the defense did, but they won a lot more games. I think they played better situationally since that point. Maybe the EPA stuff isn't there, but situationally, Buffalo's done a better job. And they've had they've had games where they've won in different ways. They've won with the run game. They've won with different pass catchers. I think Buffalo has more ways to win. And at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the superhuman QBs, I think, and who makes the most plays. So anything else to add to this game here, Sam?
1: No, just that, I mean... Okay, neither one of these teams has necessarily been what we thought they would be before the season started, but it's kind of ended up where we wanted it anyway. They're, they're still two legitimate contenders. I think either one of these teams could win a Super Bowl this year, and getting to see them you know, square off again in the divisional round
0: is a really exciting matchup. All right, can Buffalo get over the hump in the playoffs against the Chiefs? Can they do it uh, favored by two and a half?
1: I'm saying yes, they do.
0: Wow, look at you. gonna go with the chiefs okay i'm gonna say the chiefs chiefs are gonna do it cover the two and a half pull the upset i guess um so i've got chiefs ravens yeah i think i've got yeah chiefs ravens and um niners and who (laughs) lions Winning those games, winning the games, but I've got I've got some I got a, three underdogs covering though. Yeah, I think I took all underdogs. I took all dogs this weekend, so I would have. This I mean, is your only no. You took the two favorites on Sunday, okay? Yeah, Lions. But in go. terms of
1: winning the game, so I only specified covering with the big lines. Uh, in terms of winning the game, I mean obviously I have Buffalo, Buffalo, Baltimore, and then
0: yeah, probably
1: San Francisco, Detroit.
0: Yeah, could you imagine a Detroit? buffalo super bowl something's got to give someone has to win
1: someone's oh has got to go right (laughs) there's no
0: way you can both lose this game there's a part of me that wants to see those types of matchups right like some fan bases is is getting it right some they're finally getting over that yeah and uh it'll be fun we'll see what happens i mean
1: the only team left really that it would be just completely meh is kansas city right you you've I mean, won too going, many already. They're they're going for dynasty. Styles. I know, but like nobody likes that. If unless you're a Chiefs fan, nobody likes rooting for the dynasty. You know, nobody was there other than Patriots slash Brady fans going, "Come on, let's get the sixth. Yeah. You know, nobody wants that.
0: By the way, I'm I'm taking Kansas City because I'm I'm really concerned about the Bills' defensive injuries. Oh, same. I am very concerned about them. I yeah. I think that's going to uh, to be an issue.
1: It's a huge blow. I mean, they are missing multiple key players on a unit that's already badly depleted it will absolutely have an effect so what do we do
0: hour and a half here it's good
1: yeah it's a good show
0: do you want I to just ramble about other football stuff
1: keep saying that and then don't have any actual
0: topics do go to back to questions from the chat
1: more uh more cake versus pie conversations
0: no we're not having that i will tell you about the mds we do have a promo code 30 mds is the promo code 30 percent off your pff subscriptions annually. Um, You can use that mock draft simulator to draft for your favorite team because, you know, 24 of the 32 teams, they're out. They're already in draft mode, so go check it out. 30MDS is the promo code over at PFF.com. And uh, go vote for us. A lot of people in the chat here. We appreciate you guys joining us live. Please go click the link right now and vote for us for Podcast of the Year. There's over 1,600. There's almost 1,600 people in the chat. That should be 1,600 votes (laughs) that we automatically get right now because everybody's going to click the button.
1: Make the chat. I'm sure that's exactly... You I know, make, how the, work, yeah. make the vote. Uh-huh. I can't see any reason why we wouldn't have just gotten... 1,600. 1,600 People ad- are leaving already. They're mad votes. that I'm... Right. You just turned everybody off.
0: This is good campaigning, right? Yeah. Um, people are asking what I'm going to do in Vegas. We'll... Uh... We'll get a list together. We haven't
1: had a great list. We had a couple that were very good. Somebody suggested you should climb the fake uh, Empire State Building they have there and swat biplanes out of the air. I like that one. Yeah. Somebody else suggested, and this was genius. I forget the name. I, I didn't prepare for this, so I haven't got the names handy. But somebody said that we should go to the Madame Tussauds Waxworks Museum thing, find the statue of Chewbacca, and set up with a little folding table saying, meet the man
0: behind <laughs> Chewbacca.
1: and i do think that's funny i think that would be very good
0: thank you so thank you ever dropped the link was that eli or mike dropping that link in the chat appreciate look at that look how easy it is to get to the link to vote for us
1: nfl podcast at pff.com to suggest more things that steve should do in vegas that would be funny should i bring the elf costume god just a lunatic walking around the strip in an elf costume
0: seem worse in vegas see a lot worse absolutely yeah I, I mean, why the hell not? Maybe do radio row for a day.
1: <laughs> that would be my suggestion. Why the hell not? You know, we'll see what happens. Somebody says, "Why should they vote for us?"
0: You shouldn't. You don't have to. Oh, no, they should. If you think if you think we're the best American football podcast, you should vote for us. Yeah, because you you're watching we're deserving the show Of, right of now. an award,
1: you're not watching anybody else's show right now. And you're in not the, in, the, in the finalist.
0: You're not voting for us. You're voting for us, right? The All community. of us. Hmm. It's for the Discord. It's for the YouTube chat. It's for all the listeners on, you know, you audio. Yeah.
1: The main account says because he'll get the, the, whoever's in the booth will get fired if we lose. That's also true. Yeah. We're so going to start why. cutting
0: people. <laughs> and and to just stick it to management. They yeah. didn't think we could do this. They didn't believe in us. They never believed in us. They didn't believe. Us. They wanted to cut the show. To stick it to all the people that didn't believe. All the little, you know, the people that, the doubter, the haters. Yeah. The doubters. To all of them. I think that's good enough. Yeah. It's because it's Andrew Paul. He sends us those hot takes. He sends us an email like every couple of weeks. <laughs> read these hot takes, and I, I think I mentioned to you one time we got to read Andrew Paul's hot All takes, right. and you—you you ignored me.
1: I just accidentally. We will
0: give us more hot takes, Andrew. We'll read them, okay, for your vote. We'll I just them.
1: accidentally unsubscribed to the email that forwards the podcast emails to me, so I need to get that reset up in order oh, to even mess. view your emails.
0: Yeah. I, we won't talk about the competitors. Not going to talk. About them. All right, let's go. Show's over. Um, you're coming back here tomorrow. Yeah. Great.
1: With the boo boo breakdown and other things.
0: The, the whole Bills defense. Break it all down. Who's actually going to play? We're all broken. All right. We, we appreciate everybody. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Enjoy the football this weekend. Sam will be back again tomorrow with more PFF, NFL Podcast.